BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 18 of The Ingenious Gentleman, Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter eighteen in which is related the discourse sancho panza held with his master don quixote together with other adventures worth relating sancho reached his master so limp and faint that he could not urge on his beast when don quixote saw the state he was in he said i have now come to the conclusion good sancho that this castle or inn is beyond a doubt enchanted because those who have so atrociously diverted themselves with thee what can they be but phantoms or beings of another world and i hold this confirmed by having noticed that when i was by the wall of the yard witnessing the acts of thy sad tragedy it was out of my power to mount upon it nor could i even dismount from rocinante because they no doubt had me enchanted for i swear to thee by the faith of what i am that if i had been able to climb up or dismount i would have avenged thee in such a way that those braggart thieves would have remembered their freak forever even though in so doing i knew that i contravened the laws of chivalry which as i have often told thee do not permit a knight to lay hands on him who is not one save in case of urgent and great necessity in defence of his own life and person i would have avenged myself too if i could said sancho whether i had been dubbed knight or not but i could not though for my part i am persuaded those who amused themselves with me were not phantoms or enchanted men as your worship says but men of flesh and bone like ourselves and they all had their names for i heard them name them when they were tossing me and one was called pedro martinez and another and another tenorio hernandez and the innkeeper i heard was called juan palomeque the left-handed so that senor your not being able to leap over the wall of the yard or dismount from your horse came of something else besides enchantments and what i make out clearly from all this is that these adventures we go seeking will in the end lead us into such misadventures that we shall not know which is our right foot and that the best and wisest thing according to my small wits would be for us to return home now that it is harvest time and attend to our business and give over wandering from zecca to mecca and from pale to bucket as the saying is how little thou knowest about chivalry sancho replied don quixote 
hold thy peace and have patience the day will come when thou shalt see with thine own eyes what an honourable thing it is to wander in the pursuit of this calling nay tell me what greater pleasure can there be in the world or what delight can equal that of winning a battle and triumphing over one's enemy none beyond all doubt very likely answered sancho though i do not know it all i know is that since we have been knights-errant or since your worship has been one for i have no right to reckon myself one of so honourable a number we have never won any battle except the one with the biscayan and even out of that your worship came with half an ear and half a helmet the less and from that till now it has been all cudgelings and more cudgelings cuffs and more cuffs i getting the blanketing over and above and falling in with enchanted persons on whom i cannot avenge myself so as to know what the delight as your worship calls it of conquering an enemy is like that is what vexes me and what ought to vex thee sancho replied don quixote but henceforward i will endeavour to have at hand some sword made by such craft that no kind of enchantments can take effect upon him who carries it and it is even possible that fortune may procure for me that which belonged to amadis when he was called the knight of the burning sword which was one of the best swords that ever knight in the world possessed for besides having the said virtue it cut like a razor and there was no armour however strong and enchanted it might be that could resist it such is my luck said sancho that even if that happened and your worship found some such sword it would like the balsam turn out serviceable and good for dubbed knights only and as for the squires they might sup sorrow fear not that sancho said don quixote heaven will deal better by thee thus talking don quixote and his squire were going along when on the road they were following don quixote perceived approaching them a large and thick cloud of dust on seeing which he turned to sancho and said this is the day o sancho on which will be seen the boon my fortune is reserving for me this i say is the day on which as much as on any other shall be displayed the might of my arm and on which i shall do deeds that shall remain written in the book of fame for all ages to come seest thou that cloud of dust which rises yonder well then all that is churned up by a vast army composed of various and countless nations that comes marching there according to that there must be two said sancho for on this opposite side also there rises just such another cloud of dust don quixote turned to look and found that it was true and rejoicing exceedingly he concluded that they were two armies about to engage an encounter in the midst of that broad plain for at all times and seasons his fancy was full of the battles enchantments advantages crazy feats loves and defiances that are recorded in the books of chivalry and everything he said thought or did had reference to such things now the cloud of dust he had seen was raised by two great droves of sheep coming along the same road in opposite directions which because of the dust did not become visible until they drew near but don quixote asserted so positively that they were armies that sancho was led to believe it and say well and what are we to do senor what said don quixote give aid and assistance to the weak and those who need it and thou must know sancho that this which comes opposite to us is conducted and led by the mighty emperor alifanfaron lord of the great isle of trapobania 
this other that marches behind me is that of his enemy the king of the garamantas pentapolin of the bare arm for he always goes into battle with his right arm bare but why are these two lords such enemies asked sancho they are at enmity replied don quixote because this alifanfaron is a furious pagan and is in love with the daughter of pentapolin who is a very beautiful and moreover gracious lady and a christian and her father is unwilling to bestow her upon the pagan king unless he first abandons the religion of his false prophet mahomet and adopts his own by my beard said sancho but pentapolin does quite right and i will help him as much as i can in that thou wilt do what is thy duty sancho said don quixote for to engage in battles of this sort it is not requisite to be a dubbed knight that i can well understand answered sancho but where shall we put this ass where we may be sure to find him after the fray is over for i believe it has not been the custom so far to go into battle on a beast of this kind that is true said don quixote and what you had best do with him is to leave him to take his chance whether he be lost or not for the horses we shall have when we come out victors will be so many that even rocinante will run a risk of being changed for another but attend to me and observe for i wish to give thee some account of the chief knights who accompany these two armies and that thou mayest the better see and mark let us withdraw to that hillock which rises yonder whence both armies may be seen they did so and placed themselves on a rising ground from which the two droves that don quixote made armies of might have been plainly seen if the clouds of dust they raised had not obscured them and blinded the sight nevertheless seeing in his imagination what he did not see and what did not exist he began thus in a loud voice that knight whom thou seest yonder in yellow armour who bears upon his shield a lion crowned crouching at the feet of a damsel is the valiant loralco lord of the silver bridge that one in armour with flowers of gold who bears on his shield three crowns argent on an azure field is the dreaded micocolembo grand duke of quirosia that other of gigantic frame on his right hand is the ever dauntless brandabarbaron de bolichet lord of the three arabias who for armour wears that serpent skin and has for shield a gate which according to tradition is one of those of the temple that samson brought to the ground when by his death he revenged himself upon his enemies but turn thine eyes to the other side and thou shalt see in front and in the van of this other army the ever victorious and never vanquished timonel of carcajona prince of new biscay who comes in armour with arms quartered azure vert argent and oar and bears on his shield a cat or on a field tawny with a motto which says meow which is the beginning of the name of his lady who according to report is the peerless meowlina daughter of the duke alfeniken of the algeri the other who burdens and presses the loins of that powerful charger and bears arms white as snow and a shield blank and without any device is a novice knight a frenchman by birth pierre's papin by name lord of the baronies of utriquet that other who with iron-shod heels strikes the flanks of that nimble party-coloured zebra and for arms bears azure cups is the mighty duke of nervia esparta filardo del bosque who bears for device on his shield an asparagus plant 
with a motto in castilian that says rastrea mi suerte and so he went on naming a number of knights of one squadron or the other out of his imagination and to all he assigned off-hand their arms colours devices and mottoes carried away by the illusions of his unheard-of craze and without a pause he continued people of diverse nations compose this squadron in front here are those that drink of the sweet waters of the famous xanthus those that scour the woody massilian plains those that sift the pure fine gold of arabia felix those that enjoy the famed cool banks of the crystal thermodon those that in many and various ways divert the streams of the golden pantalus the numidians faithless in their promises the persians renowned in archery the parthians and the medes that fight as they fly the arabs that ever shift their dwellings the scythians as cruel as they are fair the ethiopians with pierced lips and an infinity of other nations whose features i recognize and descry though i cannot recall their names in this other squadron there come those that drink of the crystal streams of the olive-bearing betis those that make smooth their countenances with the water of the ever-rich and golden tagus those that rejoice in the fertilizing flow of the divine genial those that roam the tartesian plains abounding in pasture those that take their pleasure in the elysian meadows of jerez the rich manchegans crowned with ruddy ears of corn the wearers of iron old relics of the gothic race those that bathe in the pisnerga renowned for its gentle current those that feed their herds along the spreading pastures of the winding guadiana famed for its hidden course those that tremble with the cold of the pine-clad pyrenees or the dazzling snows of the lofty apennine in a word as many as all europe includes and contains good god what a number of countries and nations he named giving to each its proper attributes with marvellous readiness brimful and saturated with what he had read in his lying books sancho panza hung upon his words without speaking and from time to time turned to try if he could see the knights and giants his master was describing and as he could not make out one of them he said to him senor devil take it if there's a sign of any man you talk of knight or giant in the whole thing maybe it's all enchantment like the phantoms last night how canst thou say that answered don quixote dost thou not hear the neighing of the steeds the braying of the trumpets the roll of the drums i hear nothing but a great bleeding of ewes and sheep said sancho which was true for by this time the two flocks had come close the fear thou art in sancho said don quixote prevents thee from seeing or hearing correctly for one of the effects of fear is to derange the senses and make things appear different from what they are and if thou art in such fear withdraw to one side and leave me to myself for alone i suffice to bring victory to that side to which i shall give my aid and so saying he gave rocinante the spur and putting the lance in rest shot down the slope like a thunderbolt sancho shouted after him crying come back senor don quixote i vow to god they are sheep and ewes you are charging come back unlucky the father that begot me what madness is this look there is no giant nor knight nor cats nor arms nor shields quartered or whole nor cups azure or bedeviled what are you about sinner that i am before god but not for all these entreaties did don quixote turn back 
on the contrary he went on shouting out ho knights ye who follow and fight under the banners of the valiant emperor pentapoline of the bare arm follow me all ye shall see how easily i shall give him his revenge over his enemy alifanfaran of trapobania so saying he dashed into the midst of the squadron of ewes and began spearing them with as much spirit and intrepidity as if he were transfixing mortal enemies in earnest the shepherds and drovers accompanying the flock shouted to him to desist but seeing it was no use they ungirt their slings and began to salute his ears with stones as big as one's fist don quixote gave no heed to the stones but letting drive right and left kept saying where art thou proud alifanfaran come before me i am a single knight who would fain prove thy prowess hand to hand and make thee yield thy life a penalty for the wrong thou dost to the valiant pentapoline garamanta here came a sugar-plum from the brook that struck him on the side and buried a couple of ribs in his body feeling himself so smitten he imagined himself slain or badly wounded for certain and recollecting his liquor he drew out his flask and putting it to his mouth began to pour the contents into his stomach but ere he had succeeded in swallowing what seemed to him enough there came another almond which struck him on the hand and on the flask so fairly that it smashed it to pieces knocking three or four teeth and grinders out of his mouth in its course and sorely crushing two fingers of his hand such was the force of the first blow and of the second that the poor knight in spite of himself came down backwards off his horse the shepherds came up and felt sure they had killed him so in all haste they collected their flock together took up the dead beasts of which there were more than seven and made off without waiting to ascertain anything further all this time sancho stood on the hill watching the crazy feats his master was performing and tearing his beard and cursing the hour and the occasion when fortune had made him acquainted with him seeing him then brought to the ground and that the shepherds had taken themselves off he came down the hill and ran to him and found him in very bad case though not unconscious and said he did i not tell you to come back senor don quixote and that which you are going to attack were not armies but droves of sheep that's how that thief of a sage my enemy can alter and falsify things answered don quixote thou must know sancho that it is a very easy matter for those of his sort to make us take what form they choose and this malignant being who persecutes me envious of the glory he knew i was to win in this battle has turned the squadrons of the enemy into droves of sheep at any rate do this much i beg of thee sancho to undeceive thyself and see that what i say is true mount thy ass and follow them quietly and thou shalt see that when they have gone some little distance from this they will return to their original shape and ceasing to be sheep become men in all respects as i described them to thee at first but go not just yet for i want thy help and assistance come hither and see how many of my teeth and grinders are missing for i feel as if there was not one left in my mouth sancho came so close that he almost put his eyes into his mouth now just at that moment the balsam had acted on the stomach of don quixote so at the very instant when sancho came to examine his mouth he discharged all its contents with more force than a musket and full into the beard of the compassionate squire holy mary cried sancho what is this that has happened me clearly this sinner is mortally wounded as he vomits blood from the mouth 
but considering the matter a little more closely he perceived by the colour taste and smell that it was not blood but the balsam from the flask which he had seen him drink and he was taken with such a loathing that his stomach turned and he vomited up his inside over his very master and both were left in a precious state sancho ran to his ass to get something wherewith to clean himself and relieve his master out of his alforjas but not finding them he well nigh took leave of his senses and cursed himself anew and in his heart resolved to quit his master and return home even though he forfeited the wages of his service and all hopes of the government of the promised island don quixote now rose and putting his left hand to his mouth to keep his teeth from falling out altogether with the other he laid hold of the bridle of rocinante who had never stirred from his master's side so loyal and well-behaved was he and betook himself to where the squire stood leaning over his ass with his hand to his cheek like one in deep dejection seeing him in this mood looking so sad don quixote said to him bear in mind sancho that one man is no more than another unless he does more than another all these tempests that fall upon us are signs that fair weather is coming shortly and that things will go well with us for it is impossible for good or evil to last for ever and hence it follows that the evil having lasted long the good must be now nigh at hand so thou must not distress thyself at the misfortunes which happen to me since thou hast no share in them how have i not replied sancho was he whom they blanketed yesterday perchance any other than my father's son and the alforjas that are missing to-day with all my treasures did they belong to any other but myself what are the alforjas missing sancho said don quixote yes they are missing answered sancho in that case we have nothing to eat to-day replied don quixote it would be so answered sancho if there were none of the herbs your worship says you know in these meadows those with which knights-errant as unlucky as your worship are wont to supply such like shortcomings for all that answered don quixote i would rather have just now a quarter of bread or a loaf and a couple of pilchards heads than all the herbs described by dioscorides even with dr laguna's notes nevertheless sancho the good mount thy beast and come along with me for god who provides for all things will not fail us more especially when we are so active in his service as we are since he fails not the midges of the air nor the grubs of the earth nor the tadpoles of the water and is so merciful that he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust your worship would make a better preacher than knight-errant said sancho knights-errant know and ought to know everything sancho said don quixote for there were knights-errant in former times as well qualified to deliver a sermon or discourse in the middle of a highway as if they had graduated in the university of paris whereby we may see that the lance has never blunted the pen nor the pen the lance well be it as your worship says replied sancho let us be off now and find some place of shelter for the night and god grant it may be somewhere where there are no blankets nor blanketeers nor phantoms nor enchanted moors for if there are may the devil take the whole concern ask that of god my son said don quixote and do thou lead on where thou wilt for this time i leave our lodging to thy choice but reach me here thy hand and feel with thy finger and find out how many of my teeth and grinders are missing from this right side of the upper jaw 
for it is there i feel the pain sancho put in his fingers and feeling about asked him how many grinders used your worship have on this side four replied don quixote besides the back tooth all whole and quite sound mind what you are saying senor said sancho i say four if not five answered don quixote for never in my life have i had tooth or grinder drawn nor has any fallen out or been destroyed by any decay or room well then said sancho in this lower side your worship has no more than two grinders and a half and in the upper neither a half nor any at all for it is all as smooth as the palm of my hand luckless that i am said don quixote hearing the sad news his squire gave him i had rather they had despoiled me of an arm so it were not the sword-arm for i tell thee sancho a mouth without teeth is like a mill without a millstone and a tooth is much more to be prized than a diamond but we who profess the austere order of chivalry are liable to all this mount friend and lead the way and i will follow thee at whatever pace thou wilt sancho did as he bade him and proceeded in the direction in which he thought he might find refuge without quitting the high road which was there very much frequented as they went along then at a slow pace for the pain in don quixote's jaws kept him uneasy and ill-disposed for speed sancho thought it well to amuse and divert him by talk of some kind and among the things he said to him was that which will be told in the following chapter end of volume one part one chapter eighteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter nineteen of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter nineteen of the shrewd discourse which sancho held with his master and of the adventure that befell him with a dead body together with other notable occurrences it seems to me senor that all these mishaps that have befallen us of late have been without any doubt a punishment for the offence committed by your worship against the order of chivalry in not keeping the oath you made not to eat bread off a tablecloth or embrace the queen and all the rest of it that your worship swore to observe until you had taken that helmet of malandrinos or whatever the moor is called for i do not very well remember thou art very right sancho said don quixote but to tell the truth it had escaped my memory and likewise thou mayest rely upon it that the affair of the blanket happened to thee because of thy fault in not reminding me of it in time but i will make amends for there are ways of compounding for everything in the order of chivalry why have i taken an oath of some sort then said sancho it makes no matter that thou hast not taken an oath said don quixote suffice it that i see thou art not quite clear of complicity and whether or no it will not be ill done to provide ourselves with a remedy in that case said sancho mind that your worship does not forget this as you did the oath perhaps the phantoms may take it into their heads to amuse themselves once more with me or even with your worship if they see you so obstinate while engaged in this and other talk night overtook them on the road before they had reached or discovered any place of shelter and what made it still worse 
was that they were dying of hunger for with the loss of the alforjas they had lost their entire larder and commissariat and to complete the misfortune they met with an adventure which without any invention had really the appearance of one it so happened that the night closed in somewhat darkly but for all that they pushed on sancho feeling sure that as the road was the king's highway they might reasonably expect to find some inn within a league or two going along then in this way the night dark the squire hungry the master sharp set they saw coming towards them on the road they were travelling a great number of lights which looked exactly like stars in motion sancho was taken aback at the sight of them nor did don quixote altogether relish them the one pulled up his ass by the halter the other his hack by the bridle and they stood still watching anxiously to see what all this would turn out to be and found that the lights were approaching them and the nearer they came the greater they seemed at which spectacle sancho began to shake like a man dosed with mercury and don quixote's hair stood on end he however plucking up spirit a little said this no doubt sancho will be a most mighty and perilous adventure in which it will be needful for me to put forth all my valour and resolution unlucky me answered sancho if this adventure happens to be one of phantoms as i am beginning to think it is where shall i find the ribs to bear it be they phantoms ever so much said don quixote i will not permit them to touch a thread of thy garments for if they played tricks with thee the time before it was because i was unable to leap the walls of the yard but now we are on a wide plain where i shall be able to wield my sword as i please and if they enchant and cripple you as they did the last time said sancho what difference will it make being on the open plain or not for all that replied don quixote i entreat thee sancho to keep a good heart for experience will tell thee what mine is i will please god answered sancho and the two retiring to one side of the road set themselves to observe closely what all these moving lights might be and very soon afterwards they made out some twenty encamisados all on horseback with lighted torches in their hands the awe-inspiring aspect of whom completely extinguished the courage of sancho who began to chatter with his teeth like one in the cold fit of an ague and his heart sank and his teeth chattered still more when they perceived distinctly that behind them there came a litter covered over with black and followed by six more mounted figures in mourning down to the very feet of their mules for they could perceive plainly they were not horses by the easy pace at which they went and as the encamisados came along they muttered to themselves in a low plaintive tone this strange spectacle at such an hour and in such a solitary place was quite enough to strike terror into sancho's heart and even into his master's and save in don quixote's case did so for all sancho's resolution had now broken down it was just the opposite with his master whose imagination immediately conjured up all this to him vividly as one of the adventures of his books he took it into his head that the lifter was a bier on which was borne some sorely wounded or slain knight to avenge whom was a task reserved for him alone and without any further reasoning he laid his lance in rest fixed himself firmly in his saddle and with gallant spirit and bearing took up his position in the middle of the road where the encamisados must of necessity pass and as soon as he saw them near at hand he raised his voice and said halt knights whosoever ye may be 
and render me account of who ye are whence ye come what it is ye carry upon that bier for to judge by appearances either ye have done some wrong or some wrong has been done to you and it is fitting and necessary that i should know either that i may chastise you for the evil ye have done or else that i may avenge you for the injury that has been inflicted upon you we are in haste answered one of the encamisados and the inn is far off and we cannot stop to render you such an account as you demand and spurring his mule he moved on don quixote was mightily provoked by this answer and seizing the mule by the bridle he said halt and be more mannerly and render an account of what i have asked of you else take my defiance to combat all of you the mule was shy and was so frightened at her bridle being seized that rearing up she flung her rider to the ground over her haunches an attendant who was on foot seeing the encamisado fall began to abuse don quixote who now moved to anger without any more ado laying his lance in rest charged one of the men in mourning and brought him badly wounded to the ground and as he wheeled round upon the others the agility with which he attacked and routed them was a sight to see for it seemed just as if wings had that instant grown upon rocinante so lightly and proudly did he bear himself the encamisados were all timid folk and unarmed so they speedily made their escape from the fray and set off at a run across the plain with their lighted torches looking exactly like maskers running on some gala or festival night the mourners too enveloped and swathed in their skirts and gowns were unable to bestir themselves and so with entire safety to himself don quixote belaboured them all and drove them off against their will for they all thought it was no man but a devil from hell come to carry away the dead body they had in the litter sancho beheld all this in astonishment at the intrepidity of his lord and said to himself clearly this master of mine is as bold and valiant as he says he is a burning torch lay on the ground near the first man whom the mule had thrown by the light of which don quixote perceived him and coming up to him he presented the point of the lance to his face calling on him to yield himself prisoner or else he would kill him to which the prostrate man replied i am prisoner enough as it is i cannot stir for one of my legs is broken i entreat you if you be a christian gentleman not to kill me which will be committing grave sacrilege for i am a licentiate and i hold first orders then what the devil brought you here being a churchman asked don quixote what senor said the other my bad luck then still worse awaits you said don quixote if you don't satisfy me as to all i asked you at first you shall be soon satisfied said the licentiate you must know then that though just now i said i was a licentiate i am only a bachelor and my name is alonso lopez i am a native of alcobendas i come from the city of baeza with eleven others priests the same who fled with the torches and we are going to the city of segovia accompanying a dead body which is in that litter and is that of a gentleman who died in baeza where he was interred and now as i said we are taking his bones to their burial place which is in segovia where he was born and who killed him asked don quixote god by means of a malignant fever that took him answered the bachelor in that case said don quixote the lord has relieved me of the task of avenging his death had any other slain him but he who slew him having slain him there is nothing for it but to be silent and shrug one's shoulders i should do the same were he to slay myself and i would have your reverence know that i am a knight of la mancha don quixote by name 
and it is my business and calling to roam the world righting wrongs and redressing injuries i do not know how that about righting wrongs can be said the bachelor for from straight you have made me crooked leaving me with a broken leg that will never see itself straight again all the days of its life and the injury you have redressed in my case has been to leave me injured in such a way that i shall remain injured for ever and the height of misadventure it was to fall in with you who go in search of adventures things do not always happen in the same way answered don quixote it all came sir bachelor alonso lopez of your going as you did by night dressed in those surplices with lighted torches praying covered with mourning so that naturally you look like something evil and of the other world and so i could not avoid doing my duty in attacking you and i should have attacked you even had i known positively that you were the very devils of hell for such i certainly believed and took you to be as my fate has so willed it said the bachelor i entreat you sir knight-errant whose errand has been such an evil one for me to help me to get from under this mule that holds one of my legs caught between the stirrup and the saddle i would have talked on till to-morrow said don quixote how long were you going to wait before telling me of your distress he at once called to sancho who however had no mind to come as he was just then engaged in unloading a sumpter mule well laden with provender which these worthy gentlemen had brought with them sancho made a bag of his coat and getting together as much as he could and as the mule's sack would hold he loaded his beast and then hastened to obey his master's call and helped him to remove the bachelor from under the mule then putting him on her back he gave him the torch and don quixote bade him follow the track of his companions and beg pardon of them on his part for the wrong which he could not help doing them and said sancho if by chance these gentlemen should want to know who was the hero that served them so your worship may tell them that he is the famous don quixote of la mancha otherwise called the knight of the rueful countenance the bachelor then took his departure i forgot to mention that before he did so he said to don quixote remember that you stand excommunicated for having laid violent hands on a holy thing juxta illud siquis suadente diabolo i do not understand that latin answered don quixote but i know well i did not lay hands only on this pike besides i did not think i was committing an assault upon priests or things of the church which like a catholic and faithful christian as i am i respect and revere but upon phantoms and spectres of the other world but even so i remember how it fared with cid Ruy diaz when he broke the chair of the ambassador of that king before his holiness the pope who excommunicated him for the same and yet the good roderick of bivar bore himself that day like a very noble and valiant knight on hearing this the bachelor took his departure as has been said without making any reply and don quixote asked sancho what had induced him to call him the knight of the rueful countenance more than at any other time i will tell you answered sancho it was because i had been looking at you for some time by the light of the torch held by that unfortunate and verily your worship has got of late the most ill-favoured countenance i ever saw it must be either owing to the fatigue of this combat or else to the want of teeth and grinders it is not that replied don quixote but because the sage whose duty it will be to write the history of my achievements must have thought it proper that i should take some distinctive name as all knights of yore did one being he of the burning sword another he of the unicorn this one he of the damsels that he of the phoenix another the knight of the griffin and another he of the death 
and by these names and designations they were known all the world round and so i say that the sage aforesaid must have put it into your mouth and mind just now to call me the knight of the rueful countenance as i intend to call myself from this day forward and that the said name may fit me better i mean when the opportunity offers to have a very rueful countenance painted on my shield there is no occasion senor for wasting time or money on making that countenance said sancho for all that need be done is for your worship to show your own face to face to those who look at you and without anything more either image or shield they will call you him of the rueful countenance and believe me i am telling you the truth for i assure you senor in a good part be it said hunger and the loss of your grinders have given you such an ill-favoured face that as i say the rueful picture may be very well spared don quixote laughed at sancho's pleasantry nevertheless he resolved to call himself by that name and have his shield or buckler painted as he had devised don quixote would have looked to see whether the body in the litter were bones or not but sancho would not have it saying senor you have ended this perilous adventure more safely for yourself than any of those i have seen perhaps these people though beaten and routed may bethink themselves that it is a single man that has beaten them and feeling sore and ashamed of it may take heart and come in search of us and give us trouble enough the ass is in proper trim the mountains are near at hand hunger presses we have nothing more to do but make good our retreat and as the saying is let the dead go to the grave and the living to the loaf and driving his ass before him he begged his master to follow who feeling that sancho was right did so without replying and after proceeding some little distance between two hills they found themselves in a wide and retired valley where they alighted and sancho unloaded his beast and stretched upon the green grass with hunger for sauce they breakfasted dined lunched and supped all at once satisfying their appetites with more than one store of cold meat which the dead man's clerical gentlemen who seldom put themselves on short allowance had brought with them on their sumpter mule but another piece of ill luck befell them which sancho held the worst of all and that was that they had no wine to drink nor even water to moisten their lips and as thirst tormented them sancho observing that the meadow where they were was full of green and tender grass said what will be told in the following chapter end of volume one part one chapter nineteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty of the unexampled and unheard of adventure which was achieved by the valiant don quixote of la mancha with less peril than any ever achieved by any famous knight in the world it cannot be senor but that this grass is a proof that there must be hard by some spring or brook to give it moisture so it would be well to move a little farther on that we may find some place where we may quench this terrible thirst that plagues us which beyond a doubt is more distressing than hunger the advice seemed good to don quixote 
and he leading rocinante by the bridle and sancho the ass by the halter after he had packed away upon him the remains of the supper they advanced up the meadow feeling their way for the darkness of the night made it impossible to see anything but they had not gone two hundred paces when a loud noise of water as if falling from great high rocks struck their ears the sound cheered them greatly but halting to make out by listening from what quarter it came they heard unseasonably another noise which spoiled the satisfaction the sound of the water gave them especially for sancho who was by nature timid and faint-hearted they heard i say strokes falling with a measured beat and a certain rattling of iron and chains that together with the furious din of the water would have struck terror into any heart but don quixote's the night was as has been said dark and they had happened to reach a spot in among some tall trees whose leaves stirred by a gentle breeze made a low ominous sound so that what with the solitude the place the darkness the noise of the water and the rustling of the leaves everything inspired awe and dread more especially as they perceived that the strokes did not cease nor the wind lull nor morning approach to all which might be added their ignorance as to where they were but don quixote supported by his intrepid heart leaped on rocinante and bracing his buckler on his arm brought his pike to the slope and said friend sancho know that i by heaven's will have been born in this our iron age to revive in it the age of gold or the golden as it is called i am he for whom perils mighty achievements and valiant deeds are reserved i am i say again he who is to revive the knights of the round table the twelve of france and the nine worthies and he who is to consign to oblivion the platiers the tablantes the olivantes and tirantes the phoebuses and belianises with a whole herd of famous knights-errant of days gone by performing in these in which i live such exploits marvels and feats of arms as shall obscure their brightest deeds thou dost mark well faithful and trusty squire the gloom of this night its strange silence the dull confused murmur of these trees the awful sound of that water in quest of which we came that seems as though it were precipitating and dashing itself down from the lofty mountains of the moon and that incessant hammering that wounds and pains our ears which things altogether in each of itself are enough to instill fear dread and dismay into the breast of mars himself much more into one not used to hazards and adventures of the kind well then all this that i put before thee is but an incentive and stimulant to my spirit making my heart burst in my bosom through eagerness to engage in this adventure arduous as it promises to be therefore tighten rocinante's girths a little and god be with thee wait for me here three days and no more and if in that time i come not back thou canst return to our village and thence to do me a favour and a service thou wilt go to el toboso where thou shalt say to my incomparable lady dulcinea that her captive knight hath died in attempting things that might make him worthy of being called hers when sancho heard his master's words he began to weep in the most pathetic way saying senor i know not why your worship wants to attempt this so dreadful adventure it is night now no one sees us here we can easily turn about and take ourselves out of danger even if we don't drink for three days to come and as there is no one to see us all the less will there be any one to set us down as cowards 
besides i have many a time heard the curate of our village whom your worship knows well preach that he who seeks danger perishes in it so it is not right to tempt god by trying so tremendous a feat from which there can be no escape save by a miracle and heaven has performed enough of them for your worship in delivering you from being blanketed as i was and bringing you out victorious and safe and sound from among all those enemies that were with the dead man and if all this does not move or soften that hard heart let this thought and reflection move it that you will have hardly quitted the spot when from pure fear i shall yield my soul up to any one that will take it i left home and wife and children to come and serve your worship trusting to do better and not worse but as covetousness bursts the bag it has rent my hopes asunder for just as i had them highest about getting that wretched unlucky island your worship has so often promised me i see that instead and in lieu of it you mean to desert me now in a place so far from human reach for god's sake master mine deal not so unjustly by me and if your worship will not entirely give up attempting this feat at least put it off till morning for by what the lore i learned when i was a shepherd tells me it cannot want three hours of dawn now because the mouth of the horn is overhead and makes midnight in the line of the left arm how canst thou see sancho said don quixote where it makes that line or where the mouth or head is that thou talkest of when the night is so dark that there is not a star to be seen in the whole heaven that's true said sancho but fear has sharp eyes and sees things underground much more above in the heavens besides there is good reason to show that it now wants but little of day let it want what it may replied don quixote it shall not be said of me now or at any time that tears or entreaties turn me aside from doing what was in accordance with knightly usage and so i beg of thee sancho to hold thy peace for god who has put it into my heart to undertake now this so unexampled and terrible adventure will take care to watch over my safety and console thy sorrow what thou hast to do is to tighten rocinante's girths well and wait here for i shall come back shortly alive or dead sancho perceiving it his master's final resolve and how little his tears counsels and entreaties prevailed with him determined to have recourse to his own ingenuity and compel him if he could to wait till daylight and so while tightening the girths of the horse he quietly and without being felt tied both rocinante's forelegs so that when don quixote strove to go he was unable as the horse could only move by jumps seeing the success of his trick sancho panza said see there senor heaven moved by my tears and prayers has so ordered it that rocinante cannot stir and if you will be obstinate and spur and strike him you will only provoke fortune and kick as they say against the pricks don quixote at this grew desperate but the more he drove his heels into the horse the less he stirred him and not having any suspicion of the tying he was fain to resign himself and wait till daybreak or until rocinante could move firmly persuaded that all this came of something other than sancho's ingenuity so he said to him as it is so sancho and as rocinante cannot move i am content to wait till dawn smiles upon us even though i weep while it delays its coming there is no need to weep answered sancho for i will amuse your worship by telling stories from this till daylight unless indeed you like to dismount and lie down to sleep a little on the green grass after the fashion of knights-errant 
so as to be fresher when day comes and the moment arrives for attempting this extraordinary adventure you are looking forward to what art thou talking about dismounting or sleeping for said don quixote am i thinkest thou one of those knights that take their rest in the presence of danger sleep thou who art born to sleep or do as thou wilt for i will act as i think most consistent with my character be not angry master mine replied sancho i did not mean to say that and coming close to him he laid one hand on the pommel of the saddle and the other on the cantle so that he held his master's left thigh in his embrace not daring to separate a finger's length from him so much afraid was he of the strokes which still resounded with a regular beat don quixote bade him tell some story to amuse him as he had proposed to which sancho replied that he would if his dread of what he heard would let him still said he i will strive to tell a story which if i can manage to relate it and it escapes me not is the best of stories and let your worship give me your attention for here i begin what was was and may the good that is to come be for all and the evil for him who goes to look for it your worship must know that the beginning the old folk used to put to their tales was not just as each one pleased it was a maxim of cato zonzorino the roman that says the evil for him that goes to look for it and it comes as pat to the purpose now as ring to finger to show that your worship should keep quiet and not go looking for evil in any quarter and that we should go back by some other road since nobody forces us to follow this in which so many terrors affright us go on with thy story sancho said don quixote and leave the choice of our road to my care i say then continued sancho that in a village of estremadura there was a goat shepherd that is to say one who tended goats which shepherd or goat herd as my story goes was called lope ruiz and this lope ruiz was in love with a shepherdess called toralva which shepherdess called toralva was the daughter of a rich grazier and this rich grazier if that is the way thou tellest thy tale sancho said don quixote repeating twice all thou hast to say thou wilt not have done these two days go straight on with it and tell it like a reasonable man or else say nothing tales are always told in my country in the very way i am telling this answered sancho and i cannot tell it in any other nor is it right of your worship to ask me to make new customs tell it as thou wilt replied don quixote and as fate will have it that i cannot help listening to thee go on and so lord of my soul continued sancho as i have said the shepherd was in love with toralva the shepherdess who was a wild buxom lass with something of the look of a man about her for she had little mustaches i fancy i see her now then you knew her said don quixote i did not know her said sancho but he who told me the story said it was so true and certain that when i told it to another i might safely declare and swear i had seen it all myself and so in course of time the devil who never sleeps and puts everything in confusion contrived that the love the shepherd bore the shepherdess turned into hatred and ill-will and the reason according to evil tongues was some little jealousy she had caused him that crossed the line and trespassed on forbidden ground and so much did the shepherd hate her from that time forward that in order to escape from her he determined to quit the country and go where he should never set eyes on her again toralva when she found herself spurned by lope was immediately smitten with love for him 
though she had never loved him before. That is the natural way of women, said Don Quixote, to scorn the one that loves them and love the one that hates them. Go on, Sancho. It came to pass, said Sancho, that the shepherd carried out his intention, and driving his goats before him, took his way across the plains of Estramadura to pass over into the kingdom of Portugal. Doralva, who knew of it, went after him, and on foot and barefooted followed him at a distance, with a pilgrim's staff in her hand and a scrip round her neck, in which she carried, it is said, a bit of looking-glass and a piece of a comb, and some little pot or other of paint for her face. But let her carry what she did, I am not going to trouble myself to prove it. All I say is that the shepherd, they say, came with his flock to cross over the river Guadiana, which was at that time swollen and almost overflowing its banks. And at the spot he came to, there was neither ferry nor boat nor any one to carry him or his flock to the other side, at which he was much vexed, for he perceived that Toralvo was approaching and would give him great annoyance with her tears and entreaties. However, he went looking about so closely that he discovered a fisherman who had alongside of him a boat so small that it could only hold one person and one goat. But for all that, he spoke to him and agreed with him to carry himself and his three hundred goats across. The fisherman got into the boat and carried one goat over. He came back and carried another over. He came back again and again brought over another. Let your worship keep count of the goats the fisherman is taking across, for if one escapes the memory, there will be an end of the story, and it will be impossible to tell another word of it. To proceed, I must tell you the landing place on the other side was miry and slippery, and the fisherman lost a great deal of time in going and coming. Still, he returned for another go, and another, and another. Take it for granted he brought them all across, said Don Quixote, and don't keep going and coming in this way, or thou wilt not make an end of bringing them over this twelve month. How many have gone across so far, said Sancho? How the devil do I know, replied Don Quixote. There it is, said Sancho, what I told you, that you must keep a good count. Well, then, by God, there is an end of the story, for there is no going any farther. How can that be, said Don Quixote? Is it so essential to the story to know to a nicety the goats that have crossed over, that if there be a mistake of one in the reckoning, thou canst not go on with it? No, senor, not a bit, replied Sancho, for when I asked your worship to tell me how many goats had crossed, and you answered you did not know, at that very instant all I had to say passed away out of my memory, and faith, there was much virtue in it and entertainment. So then, said Don Quixote, the story has come to an end? As much as my mother has, said Sancho. In truth, said Don Quixote, thou hast told one of the rarest stories, tales, or histories that anyone in the world could have imagined, and such a way of telling it and ending it was never seen nor will be in a lifetime though I expected nothing else from thy excellent understanding. But I do not wonder, for perhaps those ceaseless strokes may have confused thy wits. All that may be, replied Sancho, but I know that as to my story, all that can be said is that it ends there where the mistake in the count of the passage of the goats begins. Let it end where it will, well and good, said Don Quixote, and let us see if Rocinante can go. And again he spurred him, and again Rocinante made jumps and remained where he was, so well tied was he. Just then, whether it was the cold of the morning that was now approaching, 
or that he had eaten something laxative at supper or that it was only natural as is most likely sancho felt a desire to do what no one could do for him but so great was the fear that had penetrated his heart he dared not separate himself from his master by so much as the black of his nail to escape doing what he wanted was however also impossible so what he did for peace sake was to remove his right hand which held the back of the saddle and with it to untie gently and silently the running string which alone held up his breeches so that on loosening it they at once fell down round his feet like fetters he then raised his shirt as well as he could and bared his hind quarters no slim ones but this accomplished which he fancied was all he had to do to get out of this terrible strait and embarrassment another still greater difficulty presented itself for it seemed to him impossible to relieve himself without making some noise and he ground his teeth and squeezed his shoulders together holding his breath as much as he could but in spite of his precautions he was unlucky enough after all to make a little noise very different from that which was causing him so much fear don quixote hearing it said what noise is that sancho i don't know senor said he it must be something new for adventures and misadventures never begin with a trifle once more he tried his luck and succeeded so well that without any further noise or disturbance he found himself relieved of the burden that had given him so much discomfort but as don quixote's sense of smell was as acute as his hearing and as sancho was so closely linked with him that the fumes rose almost in a straight line it could not be but that some should reach his nose and as soon as they did he came to its relief by compressing it between his fingers saying in a rather snuffling tone sancho it strikes me thou art in great fear i am answered sancho but how does your worship perceive it now more than ever because just now thou smellest stronger than ever and not of ambergris answered don quixote very likely said sancho but that's not my fault but your worship's for leading me about at unseasonable hours and at such unwanted paces then go back three or four my friend said don quixote all the time with his fingers to his nose and for the future pay more attention to thy person and to what thou owest to mine for it is my great familiarity with thee that has bred this contempt i'll bet replied sancho that your worship thinks i have done something i ought not with my person it makes it worse to stir it friend sancho returned don quixote with this and other talk of the same sort master and man passed the night till sancho perceiving that daybreak was coming on apace very cautiously untied rocinante and tied up his breeches as soon as rocinante found himself free though by nature he was not at all meddlesome he seemed to feel lively and began pawing for as to capering begging his pardon he knew not what it meant don quixote then observing that rocinante could move took it as a good sign and a signal that he should attempt the dread adventure by this time day had fully broken and everything showed distinctly and don quixote saw that he was among some tall trees chestnuts which cast a very deep shade he perceived likewise that the sound of the strokes did not cease but could not discover what caused it and so without any further delay he let rocinante feel the spur and once more taking leave of sancho he told him to wait for him there three days at most as he had said before and if he should not have returned by that time 
he might feel sure it had been god's will that he should end his days in that perilous adventure he again repeated the message and commission with which he was to go on his behalf to his lady dulcinea and said he was not to be uneasy as to the payment of his services for before leaving home he had made his will in which he would find himself fully recompensed in the matter of wages in due proportion to the time he had served but if god delivered him safe sound and unhurt out of that danger he might look upon the promised island as much more than certain sancho began weeping afresh on again hearing the affecting words of his good master and resolved to stay with him until the final issue and end of the business from these tears and this honourable resolve of sancho panza's the author of this history infers that he must have been of good birth and at least an old christian and the feeling he had displayed touched his master somewhat but not so much as to make him show any weakness on the contrary hiding what he felt as well as he could he began to move towards that quarter whence the sound of the water and of the strokes seemed to come sancho followed him on foot leading by the halter as his custom was his ass his constant comrade in prosperity or adversity and advancing some distance through the shady chestnut trees they came upon a little meadow at the foot of some high rocks down which a mighty rush of water flung itself at the foot of the rocks were some rudely constructed houses looking more like ruins than houses from among which came they perceived the din and clatter of blows which still continued without intermission rocinante took fright at the noise of the water and of the blows but quieting him don quixote advanced step by step towards the houses commending himself with all his heart to his lady imploring her support in that dread pass and enterprise and on the way commending himself to god too not to forget him sancho who never quitted his side stretched his neck as far as he could and peered between the legs of rocinante to see if he could now discover what it was that caused him such fear and apprehension they went it might be a hundred paces farther when on turning a corner the true cause beyond the possibility of any mistake of that dread sounding and to them awe-inspiring noise that had kept them all the night in such fear and perplexity appeared plain and obvious and it was if reader thou art not disgusted and disappointed six fulling hammers which by their alternate strokes made all the din when don quixote perceived what it was he was struck dumb and rigid from head to foot sancho glanced at him and saw him with his head bent down upon his breast in manifest mortification and don quixote glanced at sancho and saw him with his cheeks puffed out and his mouth full of laughter and evidently ready to explode with it and in spite of his vexation he could not help laughing at the sight of him and when sancho saw his master begin he let go so heartily that he had to hold his sides with both hands to keep himself from bursting with laughter four times he stopped and as many times did his laughter break out afresh with the same violence as at first whereat don quixote grew furious above all when he heard him say mockingly thou must know friend sancho that of heaven's will i was born in this our iron age to revive in it the golden or age of gold i am he for whom are reserved perils mighty achievements valiant deeds and here he went on repeating all or most of the words that don quixote uttered the first time they heard the awful strokes don quixote then seeing that sancho was turning him into ridicule 
was so mortified and vexed that he lifted up his pike and smote him two such blows that if instead of catching them on his shoulders he had caught them on his head there would have been no wages to pay unless indeed to his heirs sancho seeing that he was getting an awkward return in earnest for his jest and fearing his master might carry it still further said to him very humbly calm yourself sir for by god i am only joking well then if you are joking i am not replied don quixote look here my lively gentleman if these instead of being fulling hammers had been some perilous adventure have i not think you shown the courage required for the attempt and achievement am i perchance being as i am a gentleman bound to know and distinguish sounds and tell whether they come from fulling mills or not and that when perhaps as is the case i have never in my life seen any as you have low boor as you are that have been born and bred among them but turn me these six hammers into six giants and bring them to beard me one by one or all together and if i do not knock them head over heels then make what mockery you like of me no more of that senor returned sancho i own i went a little too far with the joke but tell me your worship now that peace is made between us and may god bring you out of all the adventures that may befall you as safe and sound as he has brought you out of this one was it not a thing to laugh at and is it not a good story the great fear we were in at least that i was in for as to your worship i see now that you neither know nor understand what either fear or dismay is i do not deny said don quixote that what happened to us may be worth laughing at but it is not worth making a story about for it is not every one that is shrewd enough to hit the right point of a thing at any rate said sancho your worship knew how to hit the right point with your pike aiming at my head and hitting me on the shoulders thanks be to god and my own smartness in dodging it but let that pass all will come out in the scouring for i have heard say he loves thee well that makes thee weep and moreover that it is the way with great lords after any hard words they give a servant to give him a pair of breeches though i do not know what they give after blows unless it be that knights-errant after blows give islands or kingdoms on the mainland it may be on the dice said don quixote that all thou sayest will come true overlook the past for thou art shrewd enough to know that our first movements are not in our own control and one thing for the future bear in mind that thou curb and restrain thy loquacity in my company for in all the books of chivalry that i have read and they are innumerable i never met with a squire who talked so much to his lord as thou dost to thine and in fact i feel it to be a great fault of thine and of mine of thine that thou hast so little respect for me of mine that i do not make myself more respected there was gondoline the squire of amadis of gaul that was count of the insula ferme and we read of him that he always addressed his lord with his cap in his hand his head bowed down and his body bent double more turquesco and then what shall we say of gasabal the squire of galaor who was so silent that in order to indicate to us the greatness of his marvellous taciturnity his name is only once mentioned in the whole of that history as long as it is truthful from all i have said thou wilt gather sancho that there must be a difference between master and man between lord and lackey between knight and squire so that from this day forward in our intercourse we must observe more respect and take less liberties for in whatever way i may be provoked with you it will be bad for the pitcher 
the favours and benefits that i have promised you will come in due time and if they do not your wages at least will not be lost as i have already told you all that your worship says is very well said sancho but i should like to know in case the time of favours should not come and it might be necessary to fall back upon wages how much did the squire of a knight-errant get in those days and did they agree by the month or by the day like bricklayers i do not believe replied don quixote that such squires were ever on wages but were dependent on favour and if i have now mentioned thine in the sealed will i have left at home it was with a view to what may happen for as yet i know not how chivalry will turn out in these wretched times of ours and i do not wish my soul to suffer for trifles in the other world for i would have thee know sancho that in this there is no condition more hazardous than that of adventures that is true said sancho since the mere noise of the hammers of a fulling mill can disturb and disquiet the heart of such a valiant errant adventurer as your worship but you may be sure i will not open my lips henceforward to make light of anything of your worships but only to honour you as my master and natural lord by so doing replied don quixote shalt thou live long on the face of the earth for next to parents masters are to be respected as though they were parents end of volume one part one chapter twenty recording by expatriate in bangor maine Volume One, Part One, Chapter Twenty One of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume One, Part One, Chapter Twenty One which treats of the exalted adventure and rich prize of mambrino's helmet together with other things that happened to our invincible knight it now began to rain a little and sancho was for going into the fulling mills but don quixote had taken such a disgust to them on account of the late joke that he would not enter them on any account so turning aside to the right they came upon another road different from that which they had taken the night before shortly afterwards don quixote perceived a man on horseback who wore on his head something that shone like gold and the moment he saw him he turned to sancho and said i think sancho there is no proverb that is not true all being maxims drawn from experience itself the mother of all the sciences especially that one that says where one door shuts another opens i say so because if last night fortune shut the door of the adventure we were looking for against us cheating us with the fulling mills it now opens wide another one for another better and more certain adventure and if i do not contrive to enter it it will be my own fault and i cannot lay it to my ignorance of fulling mills or the darkness of the night i say this because if i mistake not there comes toward us one who wears on his head the helmet of mambrino concerning which i took the oath thou rememberest mind what you say your worship and still more what you do said sancho for i don't want any more fulling mills to finish off fulling and knocking our senses out the devil take thee man said don quixote what has a helmet to do with fulling mills 
i don't know replied sancho but faith if i might speak as i used perhaps i could give such reasons that your worship would see you were mistaken in what you say how can i be mistaken in what i say unbelieving traitor returned don quixote tell me seest thou not yonder knight coming towards us on a dappled grey steed who has upon his head a helmet of gold what i see and make out answered sancho is only a man on a grey ass like my own who has something that shines on his head well that is the helmet of mambrino said don quixote stand to one side and leave me alone with him thou shalt see how without saying a word to save time i shall bring this adventure to an issue and possess myself of the helmet i have so longed for i will take care to stand aside said sancho but god grant i say once more that it may be marjoram and not fulling mills i have told thee brother on no account to mention those fulling mills to me again said don quixote or i vow and i say no more i'll full the soul out of you sancho held his peace in dread lest his master should carry out the vow he had hurled like a bowl at him the fact of the matter as regards the helmet steed and knight that don quixote saw was this in that neighbourhood there were two villages one of them so small that it had neither apothecary's shop nor barber which the other that was close to it had so the barber of the larger served the smaller and in it there was a sick man who required to be bled and another man who wanted to be shaved and on this errand the barber was going carrying with him a brass basin but as luck would have it as he was on the way it began to rain and not to spoil his hat which probably was a new one he put the basin on his head and being clean it glittered at half a league's distance he rode upon a grey ass as sancho said and this was what made it seem to don quixote to be a dapple grey steed and a knight in a golden helmet for everything he saw he made to fall in with his crazy chivalry and ill-errant notions and when he saw the poor knight draw near without entering into any parley with him at rocinante's top speed he bore down upon him with the pike pointed low fully determined to run him through and through and as he reached him without checking the fury of his charge he cried to him defend thyself miserable being or yield me of thine own accord that which is so reasonably my due the barber who without any expectation or apprehension of it saw this apparition coming down upon him had no other way of saving himself from the stroke of the lance but to let himself fall off his ass and no sooner had he touched the ground than he sprang up more nimbly than a deer and sped away across the plain faster than the wind he left the basin on the ground with which don quixote contented himself saying that the pagan had shown his discretion and imitated the beaver which finding itself pressed by the hunters bites and cuts off with its teeth that for which by its natural instinct it knows it is pursued he told sancho to pick up the helmet and he taking it in his hands said by god the basin is a good one and worth a real of eight if it is worth a maravedi and handing it to his master who immediately put it on his head turning it round now this way now that in search of the visor and not finding it he said clearly the pagan to whose measure this famous headpiece was first forged must have had a very large head but the worst of it is half of it is wanting when sancho heard him call the basin a headpiece he was unable to restrain his laughter but remembering his master's wrath he checked himself in the midst of it 
what art thou laughing at sancho said don quixote i am laughing said he to think of the great head the pagan must have had who owned this helmet for it looks exactly like a regular barber's basin dost thou know what i suspect sancho said don quixote that this wonderful piece of this enchanted helmet must by some strange accident have come into the hands of someone who was unable to recognize or realize its value and who not knowing what he did and seeing it to be of the purest gold must have melted down one half for the sake of what it might be worth and of the other made this which is like a barber's basin as thou sayest but be it as it may to me who recognize it its transformation makes no difference for i will set it to rights at the first village where there is a blacksmith and in such style that that helmet the god of smithies forge for the god of battles shall not surpass it or even come up to it and in the meantime i will wear it as well as i can for something is better than nothing all the more as it will be quite enough to protect me from any chance blow of a stone that is said sancho if it is not shot with a sling as they were in the battle of the two armies when they signed the cross on your worship's grinders and smashed the flask with that blessed draught that made me vomit my bowels up it does not grieve me much to have lost it said don quixote for thou knowest sancho that i have the receipt in my memory so have i answered sancho but if ever i make it or try it again as long as i live may this be my last hour moreover i have no intention of putting myself in the way of wanting it for i mean with all my five senses to keep myself from being wounded or from wounding any one as to being blanketed again i say nothing for it is hard to prevent mishaps of that sort and if they come there is nothing for it but to squeeze our shoulders together hold our breath shut our eyes and let ourselves go where luck and the blanket may send us thou art a bad christian sancho said don quixote on hearing this for once an injury has been done thee thou never forgettest it but know that it is the part of noble and generous hearts not to attach importance to trifles what lame leg hast thou got by it what broken rib what cracked head that thou canst not forget that jest for jest and sport it was properly regarded and had i not seen it in that light i would have returned and done more mischief in revenging thee than the greeks did for the rape of helen who if she were alive now or if my dulcinea had lived then might depend upon it she would not be so famous for her beauty as she is and here he heaved a sigh and sent it aloft and said sancho let it pass for a jest as it cannot be revenged in earnest but i know what sort of jest in earnest it was and i know it will never be rubbed out of my memory any more than off my shoulders but putting that aside will your worship tell me what are we to do with this dapple gray steed that looks like a gray ass which that martino that your worship overthrew has left deserted here for from the way he took to his heels and bolted he is not likely ever to come back for it and by my beard but the gray is a good one i have never been in the habit said don quixote of taking spoil of those whom i vanquish nor is it the practice of chivalry to take away their horses and leave them to go on foot unless indeed it be that the victor have lost his own in the combat in which case it is lawful to take that of the vanquished as a thing won in lawful war therefore sancho leave this horse or ass or whatever thou wilt have it to be for when its owner sees us gone hence he will come back for it god knows i should like to take it returned sancho 
or at least to change it for my own which does not seem to me as good a one verily the laws of chivalry are strict since they cannot be stretched to let one ass be changed for another i should like to know if i might at least change trappings on that head i am not quite certain answered don quixote and the matter being doubtful pending better information i say thou mayest change them if so be thou hast urgent need of them so urgent is it answered sancho that if they were for my own person i could not want them more and forthwith fortified by this license he effected the mutatio caparum and rigged out his beast to the ninety-nines making quite another thing of it this done they broke their fast on the remains of the spoils of war plundered from the sumpter mule and drank of the brook that flowed from the fulling mills without casting a look in that direction in such loathing did they hold them for the alarm they had caused them and all anger and gloom removed they mounted and without taking any fixed road not to fix upon any being the proper thing for true knights errant they set out guided by rocinante's will which carried along with it that of his master not to say that of the ass which always followed him wherever he led lovingly and sociably nevertheless they returned to the high road and pursued it at a venture without any other aim as they went along then in this way sancho said to his master senor would your worship give me leave to speak a little to you for since you laid that hard injunction of silence on me several things have gone to rot in my stomach and i have now just one on the tip of my tongue that i don't want to be spoiled say on sancho said don quixote and be brief in thy discourse for there is no pleasure in one that is long well then senor returned sancho i say that for some days past i have been considering how little is got or gained by going in search of these adventures that your worship seeks in these wilds and cross-roads where even if the most perilous are victoriously achieved there is no one to see or know of them and so they must be left untold forever to the loss of your worship's object and the credit they deserve therefore it seems to me it would be better saving your worship's better judgment if we were to go and serve some emperor or other great prince who might have some war on hand in whose service your worship may prove the worth of your person your great might and greater understanding on perceiving which the lord in whose service we may be will perforce have to reward us each according to his merits and there you will not be at a loss for someone to set down your achievements in writing so as to preserve their memory for ever of my own i say nothing as they will not go beyond squirely limits though i make bold to say that if it be the practice in chivalry to write the achievements of squires i think mine must not be left out thou speakest not amiss sancho answered don quixote but before that point is reached it is requisite to roam the world as it were on probation seeking adventures in order that by achieving some name and fame may be acquired such that when he betakes himself to the court of some great monarch the knight may be already known by his deeds and that the boys the instant they see him enter the gate of the city may all follow him and surround him crying this is the knight of the sun or the serpent or any other title under which he may have achieved great deeds this they will say is he who vanquished in single combat the gigantic brocabruno of mighty strength he who delivered the great mameluke of persia out of the long enchantment under which he had been for almost nine hundred years 
so from one to another they will go proclaiming his achievements and presently at the tumult of the boys and the others the king of that kingdom will appear at the windows of his royal palace and as soon as he beholds the knight recognizing him by his arms and the device on his shield he will as a matter of course say what ho forth all ye the knights of my court to receive the flower of chivalry who cometh hither at which command all will issue forth and he himself advancing halfway down the stairs will embrace him closely and salute him kissing him on the cheek and will then lead him to the queen's chamber where the knight will find her with the princess her daughter who will be one of the most beautiful and accomplished damsels that could with the utmost pains be discovered anywhere in the known world straightway it will come to pass that she will fix her eyes upon the knight and he his upon her and each will seem to the other something more divine than human and without knowing how or why they will be taken and entangled in the inextricable toils of love and sorely distressed in their hearts not to see any way of making their pains and sufferings known by speech thence they will lead him no doubt to some richly adorned chamber of the palace where having removed his armour they will bring him a rich mantle of scarlet wherewith to robe himself and if he look noble in his armour he will look still more so in a doublet when night comes he will sup with the king queen and princess and all the time he will never take his eyes off her stealing stealthy glances unnoticed by those present and she will do the same and with equal cautiousness being as i have said a damsel of great discretion the tables being removed suddenly through the door of the hall there will enter a hideous and diminutive dwarf followed by a fair dame between two giants who comes with a certain adventure the work of an ancient sage and he who shall achieve it shall be deemed the best knight in the world the king will then command all those present to assay it and none will bring it to an end and conclusion save the stranger knight to the great enhancement of his fame whereat the princess will be overjoyed and will esteem herself happy and fortunate in having fixed and placed her thought so high and the best of it is that this king or prince or whatever he is is engaged in a very bitter war with another as powerful as himself and the stranger knight after having been some days at his court requests leave from him to go and serve him in the said war the king will grant it very readily and the knight will courteously kiss his hands for the favour done to him and that night he will take leave of his lady the princess at the grating of the chamber where she sleeps which looks upon a garden and at which he has already many times conversed with her the go-between and confidant in the matter being a damsel much trusted by the princess he will sigh she will swoon the damsel will fetch water he will be distressed because morning approaches and for the honour of his lady he would not that they were discovered at last the princess will come to herself and will present her white hands through the grating to the knight who will kiss them a thousand and a thousand times bathing them with his tears it will be arranged between them how they are to inform each other of their good or evil fortunes and the princess will entreat him to make his absence as short as possible which he will promise to do with many oaths once more he kisses her hands and takes his leave in such grief that he is well nigh ready to die he betakes him thence to his chamber flings himself on his bed cannot sleep for sorrow at parting rises early in the morning goes to take leave of the king queen and princess and as he takes his leave of the pair 
it is told him that the princess is indisposed and cannot receive a visit the knight thinks it is from grief at his departure his heart is pierced and he is hardly able to keep from showing his pain the confidant is present observes all goes to tell her mistress who listens with tears and says that one of her greatest distresses is not knowing who this knight is and whether he is of kingly lineage or not the damsel assures her that so much courtesy gentleness and gallantry of bearing as her knight possesses could not exist in any save one who was royal and illustrious her anxiety is thus relieved and she strives to be of good cheer lest she should excite suspicion in her parents and at the end of two days she appears in public meanwhile the knight has taken his departure he fights in the war conquers the king's enemy wins many cities triumphs in many battles returns to the court sees his lady where he was wont to see her and it is agreed that he shall demand her in marriage of her parents as the reward of his services the king is unwilling to give her as he knows not who he is but nevertheless whether carried off or in whatever other way it may be the princess comes to be his bride and her father comes to regard it as very good fortune for it so happens that this knight is proved to be the son of a valiant king of some kingdom i know not what for i fancy it is not likely to be on the map the father dies the princess inherits and in two words the knight becomes king and here comes in at once the bestowal of rewards upon his squire and all who have aided him in rising to so exalted a rank he marries his squire to a damsel of the princesses who will be no doubt the one who was confidant in their amour and is daughter of a very great duke that's what i want no mistake about it said sancho that's what i'm waiting for for all this word for word is in store for your worship under the title of the knight of the rueful countenance thou needest not doubt it sancho replied don quixote for in the same manner and by the same steps as i have described here knights errant rise and have risen to be kings and emperors all we want now is to find out what king christian or pagan is at war and has a beautiful daughter but there will be time enough to think of that for as i have told thee fame must be won in other quarters before repairing to the court there is another thing too that is wanting for supposing we find a king who is at war and has a beautiful daughter and that i have won incredible fame throughout the universe i know not how it can be made out that i am of royal lineage or even second cousin to an emperor for the king will not be willing to give me his daughter in marriage unless he is first thoroughly satisfied on this point however much my famous deeds may deserve it so that by this deficiency i fear i shall lose what my arm has fairly earned true it is i am a gentleman of a known house of estate and property and entitled to the five hundred sueldos mulet and it may be that the sage who shall write my history will so clear up my ancestry and pedigree that i may find myself fifth or sixth in descent from a king for i would have thee know sancho that there are two kinds of lineages in the world some there be tracing and deriving their descent from kings and princes whom time has reduced little by little until they end in a point like a pyramid upside down and others who spring from the common herd and go on rising step by step until they come to be great lords so that the difference is that the one were what they no longer are and the others are what they formerly were not and i may be of such that after investigation my origin may prove great and famous with which the king my father-in-law that is to be ought to be satisfied 
and should he not be the princess will so love me that even though she well knew me to be the son of a water carrier she will take me for her lord and husband in spite of her father if not then it comes to seizing her and carrying her off where i please for time or death will put an end to the wrath of her parents it comes to this too said sancho what some naughty people say never ask as a favour what thou canst take by force though it would fit better to say a clear escape is better than good men's prayers i say so because if my lord the king your worship's father-in-law will not condescend to give you my lady the princess there is nothing for it but as your worship says to seize her and transport her but the mischief is that until peace is made and you come into the peaceful enjoyment of your kingdom the poor squire is famishing as far as rewards go unless it be that the confidant damsel that is to be his wife comes with the princess and that with her he tides over his bad luck until heaven otherwise orders things for his master i suppose may as well give her to him at once for a lawful wife nobody can object to that said don quixote then since that may be said sancho there is nothing for it but to commend ourselves to god and let fortune take what course it will god guide it according to my wishes and thy wants said don quixote and mean be he who makes himself mean in god's name let him be so said sancho i am an old christian and to fit me for account that's enough and more than enough for thee said don quixote and even wert thou not it would make no difference because i being the king can easily give thee nobility without purchase or service rendered by thee for when i make the account then thou art at once a gentleman and they may say what they will but by my faith they will have to call thee your lordship whether they like it or not not a doubt of it and i'll know how to support the tittle said sancho title thou should say not tittle said his master so be it answered sancho i say i will know how to behave for once in my life i was beetle of a brotherhood and a beetle's gown sat so well on me that all said i looked as if i was fit to be steward of the same brotherhood what will it be then when i put a duke's robe on my back or dress myself in gold and pearls like a foreign count i believe they will come a hundred leagues to see me thou wilt look well said don quixote but thou must shave thy beard often for thou hast it so thick and rough and unkempt that if thou dost not shave it every second day at least they will see what thou art at the distance of a musket shot what more will it be said sancho than having a barber and keeping him at wages in the house and even if it be necessary i will make him go behind me like a nobleman's equerry why how dost thou know that noblemen have equerries behind them asked don quixote i will tell you answered sancho years ago i was for a month at the capital and there i saw taking the air a very small gentleman who they said was a very great man and a man following him on horseback in every turn he took just as if he was his tail i asked why this man did not join the other man instead of always going behind him they answered me that he was his equerry and that it was the custom with nobles to have such persons behind them and ever since then i know it for i have never forgotten it thou art right said don quixote and in the same way thou mayest carry thy barber with thee for customs did not come into use altogether nor were they all invented at once and thou mayest be the first count to have a barber to follow him and indeed shaving one's beard is a greater trust than saddling one's horse let the barber business be my lookout said sancho 
and your worships be it to strive to become a king and make me a count so it shall be answered don quixote and raising his eyes he saw what will be told in the following chapter end of volume one part one chapter twenty one recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty two of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty two of the freedom don quixote conferred on several unfortunates who against their will were being carried where they had no wish to go sidhamet benengeli the arab and manchegan author relates in this most grave high-sounding minute delightful and original history that after the discussion between the famous don quixote of la mancha and his squire sancho panza which is set down at the end of chapter twenty one don quixote raised his eyes and saw coming along the road he was following some dozen men on foot strung together by the neck like beads on a great iron chain and all with manacles on their hands with them there came also two men on horseback and two on foot those on horseback with wheel-lock muskets those on foot with javelins and swords and as soon as sancho saw them he said that is a chain of galley slaves on the way to the galleys by force of the king's orders how by force asked don quixote is it possible that the king uses force against any one i do not say that answered sancho but that these are people condemned for their crimes to serve by force in the king's galleys in fact replied don quixote however it may be these people are going where they are taking them by force and not of their own will just so said sancho then if so said don quixote here is a case for the exercise of my office to put down force and to succour and help the wretched recollect your worship said sancho justice which is the king himself is not using force or doing wrong to such persons but punishing them for their crimes the chain of galley slaves had by this time come up and don quixote in very courteous language asked those who were in custody of it to be good enough to tell him the reason or reasons for which they were conducting these people in this manner one of the guards on horseback answered that they were galley slaves belonging to his majesty that they were going to the galleys and that was all that was to be said and all he had any business to know nevertheless replied don quixote i should like to know from each of them separately the reason of his misfortune to this he added more to the same effect to induce them to tell him what he wanted so civilly that the other mounted guard said to him though we have here the register and certificate of the sentence of every one of these wretches this is no time to take them out or read them come and ask themselves they can tell if they choose and they will for these fellows take a pleasure in doing and talking about rascalities with this permission which don quixote would have taken even had they not granted it he approached the chain and asked the first for what offences he was now in such a sorry case he made answer that it was for being a lover 
for that only replied don quixote why if for being lovers they send people to the galleys i might have been rowing in them long ago the love is not the sort your worship is thinking of said the galley slave mine was that i loved a washerwoman's basket of clean linen so well and held it so close in my embrace that if the arm of the law had not forced it from me i should never have let it go of my own will to this moment i was caught in the act there was no occasion for torture the case was settled they treated me to a hundred lashes on the back and three years of gurapas besides and that was the end of it what are gurapas asked don quixote gurapas are galleys answered the galley slaves it was a young man of about four and twenty and said he was a native of piedrahita don quixote asked the same question of the second who made no reply so downcast and melancholy was he but the first answered for him and said he sir goes as a canary i mean as a musician and a singer what said don quixote for being musicians and singers do people go to the galleys too yes sir answered the galley slave for there is nothing worse than singing under suffering on the contrary i have heard say said don quixote that he who sings scares away his woes here is the reverse said the galley slave for he who sings once weeps all his life i do not understand it said don quixote but one of the guards said to him sir to sing under suffering means with a non sancta fraternity to confess under torture they put this sinner to the torture and he confessed his crime which was being a quatrero that is a cattle stealer and on his confession they sentenced him to six years in the galleys besides two hundred lashes that he has already had on the back and he is always dejected and downcast because the other thieves that were left behind and that march here ill-treat and snub and jeer and despise him for confessing and not having spirit enough to say nay for say they nay has no more letters in it than yea and a culprit is well off when life or death with him depends on his own tongue and not on that of witnesses or evidence and to my thinking they are not very far out and i think so too answered don quixote then passing on to the third he asked him what he had asked the others and the man answered very readily and unconcernedly i am going for five years to their ladyships the grappas for the want of ten ducats i will give twenty with pleasure to get you out of that trouble said don quixote that said the galley slave is like a man having money at sea when he is dying of hunger and has no way of buying what he wants i say so because if at the right time i had had those twenty ducats that your worship now offers me i would have greased the notary's pen and freshened up the attorney's wit with them so that to-day i should be in the middle of the plaza of the soco dover at toledo and not on this road coupled like a greyhound but god is great patience there that's enough of it don quixote passed on to the fourth a man of venerable aspect with a white beard falling below his breast who on hearing himself asked the reason of his being there began to weep without answering a word but the fifth acted as his tongue and said this worthy man is going to the galleys for four years after having gone the rounds in the robe of ceremony and on horseback that means said sancho panza as i take it to have been exposed to shame in public just so replied the galley slave and the offence for which they gave him that punishment 
was having been an ear broker my body broker i mean in short that this gentleman goes as a pimp and for having besides a certain touch of the sorcerer about him if that touch had not been thrown in said don quixote he would not deserve for mere pimping to row in the galleys but rather to command and be admiral of them for the office of pimp is no ordinary one being the office of persons of discretion one very necessary in a well-ordered state and only to be exercised by persons of good birth nay there ought to be an inspector and overseer of them as in other offices and a fixed and recognized number as with the brokers on change in this way many of the evils would be avoided which are caused by this office and calling being in the hands of stupid and ignorant people such as women more or less silly and pages and jesters of little standing and experience who on the most urgent occasions and when ingenuity of contrivance is needed let the crumbs freeze on the way to their mouths and know not which is their right hand i would go further and give reasons to show that it is advisable to choose those who are to hold so necessary an office in the state but this is not the fit place for it some day i will expound the matter to someone able to see to and rectify it all i say now is that the additional fact of his being a sorcerer has removed the sorrow it gave me to see these white hairs and this venerable countenance in so painful a position on account of his being a pimp though i know well there are no sorceries in the world that can move or compel the will as some simple folk fancy for our will is free nor is there herb or charm that can force it all that certain silly women and quacks do is to turn men mad with potions and poisons pretending that they have power to cause love for as i say it is an impossibility to compel the will it is true said the good old man and indeed sir as far as the charge of sorcery goes i was not guilty as to that of being a pimp i cannot deny it but i never thought i was doing any harm by it for my only object was that all the world should enjoy itself and live in peace and quiet without quarrels or troubles but my good intentions were unavailing to save me from going where i never expect to come back from with this weight of years upon me and a urinary ailment that never gives me a moment's ease and again he fell to weeping as before and such compassion did sancho feel for him that he took out a real of four from his bosom and gave it to him in alms don quixote went on and asked another what his crime was and the man answered with no less but rather much more sprightliness than the last one i am here because i carried the joke too far with a couple of cousins of mine and with a couple of other cousins who were none of mine in short i carried the joke so far with them all that it ended in such a complicated increase of kindred that no accountant could make it clear it was all proved against me i got no favor i had no money i was near having my neck stretched they sentenced me to the galleys for six years i accepted my fate it is the punishment of my fault i am a young man let life only last and with that all will come right if you sir have anything wherewith to help the poor god will repay it to you in heaven and we on earth will take care in our petitions to him to pray for the life and health of your worship that they may be as long and as good as your amiable appearance deserves this one was in the dress of a student and one of the guards said he was a great talker and a very elegant latin scholar behind all these there came a man of thirty a very personable fellow except that when he looked 
his eyes turned in a little one towards the other he was bound differently from the rest for he had to his leg a chain so long that it was wound all round his body and two rings on his neck one attached to the chain the other to what they call a keep friend or friend's foot from which hung two irons reaching to his waist with two manacles fixed to them in which his hands were secured by a big padlock so that he could neither raise his hand to his mouth nor lower his head to his hands don quixote asked why this man carried so many more chains than the others the guard replied that it was because he alone had committed more crimes than all the rest put together and was so daring and such a villain that though they marched him in that fashion they did not feel sure of him but were in dread of his making his escape what crimes can he have committed said don quixote if they have not deserved a heavier punishment than being sent to the galleys he goes for ten years replied the guard which is the same thing as civil death and all that need be said is that this good fellow is the famous Hines de Pasamonte, otherwise called Hinesio de Parapia. Gently, Senor Commissary, said the galley slave at this, let us have no fixing of names or surnames. My name is Hines, not Hinesio, and my family name is Pasamonte, not Parapia, as you say. Let each one mind his own business, and he will be doing enough speak with less impertinence master thief of extra measure replied the commissary if you don't want me to make you hold your tongue in spite of your teeth it is easy to see returned the galley slave that man goes as god pleases but someone shall know some day whether i am called hinesio de parapia or not don't they call you so you liar said the guard they do returned hines but i will make them give over calling me so with a vengeance where i won't say if you sir have anything to give us give it to us at once and god speed you for you are becoming tiresome with all this inquisitiveness about the lives of others if you want to know about mine let me tell you i am hines de pasamonte whose life is written by these fingers he says true says the commentary for he has himself written his story as grand as you please and has left the book in the prison in pawn for two hundred reals and i mean to take it out of pawn said hines though it were in for two hundred ducats is it so good said don quixote so good it is replied hines that a fig for lazario de tormes and all of that kind that have been written or shall be written compared with it all i will say about it is that it deals with facts and facts so neat and diverting that no lies could match them and how is the book entitled asked don quixote the life of hines de pasamonte replied the subject of it and is it finished asked don quixote how can it be finished said the other when my life is not yet finished all that is written is from my birth down to the point when they sent me to the galleys this last time then you have been there before said don quixote in the service of god and the king i have been there for four years before now and i know by this time what the biscuit and cowerbosh are like replied hines and it is no great grievance to me to go back to them for there i shall have time to finish my book i have still many things left to say and in the galleys of spain there is more than enough leisure though i do not want much for what i have to write for i have it by heart you seem a clever fellow said don quixote and an unfortunate one replied hines for misfortune always persecutes wit it persecutes rogues said the commissary i told you already to go gently master commissary said pasamonte 
their lordships yonder never gave you that staff to ill-treat us wretches here but to conduct and take us where his majesty orders you if not by the life of ah, never mind it may be that some day the stains made in the inn will come out in the scouring let every one hold his tongue and behave well and speak better and now let us march on for we have had quite enough of this entertainment the commissary lifted his staff to strike pasamonte in return for his threats but don quixote came between them and begged him not to ill-use him as it was not too much to allow one who had his hands tied to have his tongue a trifle free and turning to the whole chain of them he said from all you have told me dear brethren i make out clearly that though they have punished you for your faults the punishments you are about to endure do not give you much pleasure and that you go to them very much against the grain and against your will and that perhaps this one's want of courage under torture that one's want of money the other's want of advocacy and lastly the perverted judgment of the judge may have been the cause of your ruin and of your failure to obtain the justice you had on your side all which presents itself now to my mind urging persuading and even compelling me to demonstrate in your case the purpose for which heaven sent me into the world and caused me to make profession of the order of chivalry to which i belong and the vow i took therein to give aid to those in need and under the oppression of the strong but as i know that it is a mark of prudence not to do by foul means what may be done by fair i will ask these gentlemen the guards and commissary to be so good as to release you and let you go in peace as there will be no lack of others to serve the king under more favourable circumstances for it seems to me a hard case to make slaves of those whom god and nature have made free moreover sirs of the guard added don quixote these poor fellows have done nothing to you let each answer for his own sins yonder there is a god in heaven who will not forget to punish the wicked or reward the good and it is not fitting that honest men should be the instruments of punishment to others they being therein no way concerned this request i make thus gently and quietly that if you comply with it i may have reason for thanking you and if you will not voluntarily this lance and sword together with the might of my arm shall compel you to comply with it by force nice nonsense said the commissary a fine piece of pleasantry he has come out with at last he wants us to let the king's prisoners go as if we had any authority to release them or he to order us to do so go your way sir and good luck to you put that basin straight that you've got on your head and don't go looking for three feet on a cat tis you that are the cat the rat and the rascal replied don quixote and acting on the word he fell upon him so suddenly that without giving him time to defend himself he brought him to the ground sorely wounded with a lance thrust and lucky it was for him that it was the one that had the musket the other guards stood thunderstruck and amazed at this unexpected event but recovering presence of mind those on horseback seized their swords and those on foot their javelins and attacked don quixote who was waiting for them with great calmness and no doubt it would have gone badly with him if the galley slaves seeing the chance before them of liberating themselves had not effected it by contriving to break the chain on which they were strung such was the confusion that the guards now rushing at the galley slaves who were breaking loose now to attack don quixote who was waiting for them did nothing at all that was of any use sancho on his part 
gave a helping hand to release Hines de Pasamonte, who was the first to leap forth upon the plain, free and unfettered, and who, attacking the prostrate commissary, took from him his sword and the musket, with which, aiming at one and levelling at another, he, without ever discharging it, drove every one of the guards off the field, for they took to flight, as well to escape Pasamonte's musket, as the showers of stones the now-released galley-slaves were raining upon them. Sancho was greatly grieved at the affair, because he anticipated that those who had fled would report the matter to the Holy Brotherhood, who at the summons of the alarm-bell would at once sally forth in quest of the offenders. And he said so to his master, and entreated him to leave the place at once and go into hiding in the Sierra that was close by. That is all very well, said Don Quixote, but I know what must be done now and calling together all the galley-slaves who were now running riot and had stripped the commissary to the skin he collected them round him to hear what he had to say and addressed them as follows to be grateful for benefits received is the part of persons of good birth and one of the sins most offensive to god is ingratitude i say so because sirs you have already seen by manifest proof the benefit ye have received from me in return for which i desire and it is my good pleasure that laden with that chain which i have taken off your necks ye at once set out and proceed to the city of el toboso and there present yourselves before the lady dulcinea del toboso and say to her that her knight he of the rueful countenance sends to commend himself to her and that ye recount to her in full detail all the particulars of this notable adventure up to the recovery of your longed-for liberty and this done ye may go where ye will and good fortune attend you Hines de pasamonte made answer for all saying that which you sir our deliverer demand of us is of all impossibilities the most impossible to comply with because we cannot go together along the roads but only singly and separate and each one his own way endeavouring to hide ourselves in the bowels of the earth to escape the holy brotherhood which no doubt will come out in search of us what your worship may do and fairly do is to change this service and tribute as regards the lady dulcinea del toboso for a certain quantity of ave marias and credos which we will say for your worship's intention and this is a condition that can be complied with by night as well as by day running or resting in peace or in war but to imagine that we are going now to return to the flesh-pots of egypt i mean to take up our chain and set out for el toboso is to imagine that it is now night though it is not yet ten in the morning and to ask this of us is like asking pears of the elm tree then by all that's good said don quixote now stirred to wrath don son of a bitch don hinesio de parapio or whatever your name is you will have to go yourself alone with your tail between your legs and the whole chain on your back pasamonte who was anything but meek being by this time thoroughly convinced that don quixote was not quite right in his head as he had committed such a vagary as trying to set them free finding himself abused in this fashion gave the wink to his companions and falling back they began to shower stones on don quixote at such a rate that he was quite unable to protect himself with his buckler and poor rocinante no more heeded the spur than if he had been made of brass sancho planted himself behind his ass and with him sheltered himself from the hailstorm that poured on both of them 
don quixote was unable to shield himself so well but that more pebbles than i could count struck him full on the body with such force that they brought him to the ground in the instant he fell the student pounced upon him snatched the basin from his head and with it struck three or four blows on his shoulders and as many more on the ground knocking it almost to pieces they then stripped him of a jacket that he wore over his armour and they would have stripped off his stockings if his greaves had not prevented them from sancho they took his coat leaving him in his shirt-sleeves and dividing among themselves the remaining spoils of the battle they went each one his own way more solicitous about keeping clear of the holy brotherhood they dreaded than about burdening themselves with the chain or going to present themselves before the lady dulcinea del toboso the ass and rocinante sancho and don quixote were all that were left upon the spot the ass with drooping head serious shaking his ears from time to time as if he thought the storm of stones that assailed them was not yet over rocinante stretched beside his master for he too had been brought to the ground by a stone sancho stripped and trembling with fear of the holy brotherhood and don quixote fuming to find himself so served by the very persons for whom he had done so much End of Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 22 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 23 Of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha By Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra Translated by John Ormsby, 1829-1895 this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 23. Of what befell Don Quixote in the Sierra Morena, which was one of the rarest adventures related in this voracious history. Seeing himself served in this way, Don Quixote said to his squire, I have always heard it said, Sancho, that to do good to boors is to throw water into the sea if i had believed thy words i should have avoided this trouble but it is done now it is only to have patience and take warning from this for the future your worship will take warning as much as i am a turk returned sancho but as you say this mischief might have been avoided if you had believed me believe me now and a still greater one will be avoided for i tell you chivalry is of no account with the holy brotherhood and they don't care two maravedis for all the knights errant in the world and i can tell you i fancy i hear their arrows whistling past my ears this minute thou art a coward by nature sancho said don quixote but lest thou should say i am obstinate and that i never do as thou dost advise this once i will take thy advice and withdraw out of reach of that fury thou so dreadest but it must be on one condition that never in life or in death thou art to say to any one that i retired or withdrew from this danger out of fear but only in compliance with thy entreaties for if thou sayest otherwise thou wilt lie therein and from this time to that and from that to this i give thee the lie and say thou answer me not again for at the mere thought that i am withdrawing or retiring from any danger above all from this which does seem to carry some little shadow of fear with it I am ready to take my stand here and wait alone not only that holy brotherhood you talk of and dread 
but the brothers of the twelve tribes of israel and the seven maccabees and castor and pollux and all the brothers and brotherhoods in the world senor replied sancho to retire is not to flee and there is no wisdom in waiting when danger outweighs hope and it is the part of wise men to preserve themselves to-day for to-morrow and not risk all in one day and let me tell you though i am a clown and a boor i have got some notion of what they call safe conduct so repent not of having taken my advice but mount rocinante if you can and if not i will help you and follow me for my mother wit tells me we have more need of legs than hands just now don quixote mounted without replying and sancho leading the way on his ass they entered the side of the sierra morena which was close by as it was sancho's design to cross it entirely and come out again at alviso or amodovar del campo and hide for some days among its crags so as to escape the search of the brotherhood should they come to look for them he was encouraged in this by perceiving that the stock of provisions carried by the ass had come safe out of the fray with the galley slaves a circumstance that he regarded as a miracle seeing how they pillaged and ransacked that night they reached the very heart of the sierra morena where it seemed prudent to sancho to pass the night and even some days at least as many as the stores he carried might last and so they encamped between two rocks and among some cork trees but fatal destiny which according to the opinion of those who have not the light of the true faith directs arranges and settles everything in its own way so ordered it that Gines de pasamonte the famous knave and thief who by the virtue and madness of don quixote had been released from the chain driven by fear of the holy brotherhood which he had good reason to dread resolved to take hiding in the mountains and his fate and fear led him to the same spot to which don quixote and sancho panza had been led by theirs just in time to recognize them and leave them to fall asleep and as the wicked are always ungrateful and necessity leads to wrong-doing and immediate advantage overcomes all considerations of the future Hines, who was neither grateful nor well principled made up his mind to steal sancho panza's ass not troubling himself about rocinante as being a prize that was no good either to pledge or sell while sancho slept he stole his ass and before day dawned he was far out of reach aurora made her appearance bringing gladness to the earth but sadness to sancho panza for he found that his dapple was missing and seeing himself bereft of him he began the saddest and most doleful lament in the world so loud that don quixote awoke at his exclamations and heard him saying o son of my bowels born in my very house my children's plaything my wife's joy the envy of my neighbours relief of my burdens and lastly half supporter of myself for with the six and twenty maravedis adis earn me daily i met half my charges don quixote when he heard the lament and learned the cause consoled sancho with the best arguments he could entreating him to be patient and promising to give him a letter of exchange ordering three out of five ass-colts that he had at home to be given to him sancho took comfort at this dried his tears suppressed his sobs and returned thanks for the kindness shown him by don quixote he on his part was rejoiced to the heart on entering the mountains as they seemed to him to be just the place for the adventures he was in quest of 
they brought back to his memory the marvellous adventures that had befallen knights-errant in like solitudes and wilds and he went along reflecting on these things so absorbed and carried away by them that he had no thought for anything else nor had sancho any other care now that he fancied he was travelling in a safe quarter than to satisfy his appetite with such remains as were left of the clerical spoils and so he marched behind his master laden with what dapple used to carry emptying the sack and packing his paunch and so long as he could go that way he would not have given a farthing to meet with another adventure while so engaged he raised his eyes and saw that his master had halted and was trying with the point of his pike to lift some bulky object that lay upon the ground on which he hastened to join him and help him if it were needful and reached him just as with the point of the pike he was raising a saddle-pad with a valise attached to it half or rather wholly rotten and torn but so heavy were they that sancho had to help to take them up and his master directed him to see what the valise contained sancho did so with great alacrity and though the valise was secured by a chain and padlock from its torn and rotten condition he was able to see its contents which were four shirts of fine holland and other articles of linen no less curious than clean and in a handkerchief he found a good lot of gold crowns and as soon as he saw them he exclaimed blessed be all heaven for sending us an adventure that is good for something searching further he found a little memorandum book richly bound this don quixote asked of him telling him to take the money and keep it for himself sancho kissed his hands for the favour and cleared the valise of its linen which he stowed away in the provision sack considering the whole matter don quixote observed it seems to me sancho and it is impossible it can be otherwise that some strayed traveller must have crossed the sierra and been attacked and slain by footpads who brought him to this remote spot to bury him that cannot be answered sancho because if they had been robbers they would not have left this money thou art right said don quixote and i cannot guess or explain what this may mean but stay let us see if in this memorandum book there is anything written by which we may be able to trace out or discover what we want to know he opened it and the first thing he found in it written roughly but in a very good hand was a sonnet and reading it aloud that sancho might hear it he found that it ran as follows sonnet or love is lacking in intelligence or to the height of cruelty attains or else it is my doom to suffer pains beyond the measure due to my offence but if love be a god it follows thence that he knows all and certain it remains no god loves cruelty then who ordains this penance that enthralls while it torments it were a falsehood chloe thee to name such evil with such goodness cannot live and against heaven i dare not charge the blame i only know it is my fate to die to him who knows not whence his malady a miracle alone a cure can give there is nothing to be learned from that rhyme said sancho unless by that clue there is in it one may draw out the ball of the whole matter what clue is there said don quixote i thought your worship spoke of a clue in it said sancho i only said chloe replied don quixote and that no doubt is the name of the lady of whom the author of the sonnet complains in faith he must be a tolerable poet or i know little of the craft then your worship understands rhyming too said sancho and better than thou thinkest replied don quixote 
as thou shalt see when thou carriest a letter written in verse from beginning to end to my lady dulcinea del toboso for i would have thee know sancho that all or most of the knights-errant in days of yore were great troubadours and great musicians for both of these accomplishments or more properly speaking gifts are the peculiar property of lovers errant true it is that the verses of the knights of old have more spirit than neatness in them read more your worship said sancho and you will find something that will enlighten us don quixote turned the page and said this is prose and seems to be a letter a correspondence letter senor asked sancho from the beginning it seems to be a love letter replied don quixote then let your worship read it aloud said sancho for i am very fond of these love matters with all my heart said don quixote and reading it aloud as sancho had requested him he found it ran thus thy false promise and my sure misfortune carry me to a place whence the news of my death will reach thy ears before the words of my complaint ungrateful one thou hast rejected me for one more wealthy but not more worthy but if virtue were esteemed wealth i should neither envy the fortunes of others nor weep for misfortunes of my own what thy beauty raised up thy deeds have laid low by it i believe thee to be an angel by them i know thou art a woman peace be with thee who hast sent war to me and heaven grant that the deceit of thy husband be ever hidden from thee so that thou repent not of what thou hast done and i reap not of revenge i would not have when he had finished the letter don quixote said there is less to be gathered from this than from the verses except that he who wrote it is some rejected lover and turning over nearly all the pages of the book he found more verses and letters some of which he could read while others he could not but they were all made up of complaints laments misgivings desires and aversions favors and rejections some rapturous some doleful while don quixote examined the book sancho examined the valise not leaving a corner in the whole of it or in the pad that he did not search peer into and explore or seam that he did not rip or tuft of wool that he did not pick to pieces lest anything should escape for want of care and pains so keen was the covetousness excited in him by the discovery of the crowns which amounted to near a hundred and though he found no more booty he held the banquet flights balsam vomits stake benedictions carriers fisticuffs missing alforjas stolen coat and all the hunger thirst and weariness he had endured in the service of his good master cheap at the price as he considered himself more than fully indemnified for all by the payment he received in the gift of the treasure trove the knight of the rueful countenance was still very anxious to find out who the owner of the valise could be conjecturing from the sonnet and letter from the money in gold and from the fineness of the shirts that he must be some lover of distinction whom the scorn and cruelty of his lady had driven to some desperate course but as in that uninhabited and rugged spot there was no one to be seen of whom he could inquire he saw nothing else for it but to push on taking whatever road rocinante chose which was where he could make his way firmly persuaded that among these wilds he could not fail to meet some rare adventure as he went along then occupied with these thoughts he perceived on the summit of a height that rose before their eyes a man who went springing from rock to rock and from tussock to tussock with marvellous agility 
as well as he could make out he was unclad with a thick black beard long tangled hair and bare legs and feet his thighs were covered by breeches apparently of tawny velvet but so ragged that they showed his skin in several places he was bareheaded and notwithstanding the swiftness with which he passed as has been described the knight of the rueful countenance observed and noted all these trifles and though he made the attempt he was unable to follow him for it was not granted to the feebleness of rocinante to make way over such rough ground he being moreover slow-paced and sluggish by nature don quixote at once came to the conclusion that this was the owner of the saddle-pad and of the valise and made up his mind to go in search of him even though he should have to wander a year in those mountains before he found him and so he directed sancho to take a short cut over one side of the mountain while he himself went by the other and perhaps by this means they might light upon this man who had passed so quickly out of their sight i could not do that said sancho for when i separate from your worship fear at once lays hold of me and assails me with all sorts of panics and fancies and let what i now say be a notice that from this time forth i am not going to stir a finger's length from your presence it shall be so said he of the rueful countenance and i am very glad that thou art willing to rely on my courage which will never fail thee even though the soul in thy body fail thee so come on now behind me slowly as well as thou canst and make lanterns of thine eyes let us make the circuit of this ridge perhaps we shall light upon this man that we saw who no doubt is no other than the owner of what we found to which sancho made answer far better would it be not to look for him for if we find him and he happens to be the owner of the money it is plain i must restore it it would be better therefore that without taking this needless trouble i should keep possession of it until in some other less meddlesome and officious way the real owner may be discovered and perhaps that will be when i shall have spent it and then the king will hold me harmless thou art wrong there sancho said don quixote for now that we have a suspicion who the owner is and have him almost before us we are bound to seek him and make restitution and if we do not seek him the strong suspicion we have as to his being the owner makes us as guilty as if he were so and so friend sancho let not our search for him give thee any uneasiness for if we find him it will relieve mine and so saying he gave rocinante the spur and sancho followed him on foot and loaded thanks to ginesillo de pasamonte and after having partly made the circuit of the mountain they found lying in a ravine dead and half devoured by dogs and pecked by crows a mule saddled and bridled all which still further strengthened their suspicion that he who had fled was the owner of the mule and the saddle-pad as they stood looking at it they heard a whistle like that of a shepherd watching his flock and suddenly on their left there appeared a great number of goats and behind them on the summit of the mountain the goat-herd in charge of them a man advanced in years don quixote called aloud to him and begged him to come down to where they stood he shouted in return asking what had brought them to that spot seldom or never trodden except by the feet of goats or of the wolves and other wild beasts that roamed around sancho in return bade him come down and they would explain all to him the goatherd descended and reaching the place where don quixote stood he said i will wager you were looking at that hack mule that lies dead in the hollow there and faith it has been lying there now these six months tell me have you come upon its master about here 
we've come upon nobody answered don quixote nor on anything except a saddle-pad and a little valise that we found not far from this i found it too said the goatherd but i would not lift it nor go near it for fear of some ill luck or being charged with theft for the devil is crafty and things rise up under one's feet to make one stumble and fall without knowing why or wherefore that's exactly what i say said sancho i found it too and i would not go within a stone's throw of it there i left it and there it lies just as it was for i don't want a dog with a bell tell me good man said don quixote do you know who is the owner of this property all i can tell you said the goatherd is that about six months ago more or less there arrived at a shepherd's hut three leagues perhaps away from this a youth of well-bred appearance and manners mounted on that same mule which lies dead here and with the same saddle-pad and valise which you say you found and did not touch he asked us what part of this sierra was the most rugged and retired we told him that it was where we now are and so in truth it is for if you push on half a league farther perhaps you will not be able to find your way out and i am wondering how you have managed to come here for there is no road or path that leads to this spot i say then that on hearing our answer the youth turned about and made for the place we pointed out to him leaving us all charmed with his good looks and wondering at his question and the haste with which we saw him depart in the direction of the sierra and after that we saw him no more until some days afterwards he crossed the path of one of our shepherds and without saying a word to him came up to him and gave him several cuffs and kicks and then turned to the ass with our provisions and took all the bread and cheese it carried and having done this made off back again into the sierra with extraordinary swiftness when some of us goatherds learned this we went in search of him for about two days through the most remote portion of the sierra at the end of which we found him lodged in the hollow of a large thick cork tree he came out to meet us with great gentleness with his dress now torn and his face so disfigured and burned by the sun that we hardly recognized him but that his clothes though torn convinced us from the recollection we had of them that he was the person we were looking for he saluted us courteously and in a few well-spoken words he told us not to wonder at seeing him going about in this guise as it was binding upon him in order that he might work out a penance which for his many sins had been imposed upon him we asked him to tell us who he was but we were never able to find out from him we begged of him too when he was in want of food which he could not do without to tell us where we should find him as we would bring it to him with all good will and readiness or if this were not to his taste at least to come and ask it of us and not take it by force from the shepherds he thanked us for the offer begged pardon for the late assault and promised for the future to ask it in god's name without offering violence to anybody as for fixed abode he said he had no other than that which chance offered wherever night might overtake him and his words ended in an outburst of weeping so bitter that we who listened to him must have been very stones had we not joined him in it comparing what we saw of him the first time with what we saw now for as i said he was a graceful and gracious youth and in his courteous and polished language showed himself to be of good birth and courtly breeding and rustics as we were that listened to him even to our rusticity his gentle bearing sufficed to make it plain but in the midst of his conversation he stopped and became silent 
keeping his eyes fixed upon the ground for some time during which we stood still waiting anxiously to see what would come of this abstraction and with no little pity for from his behaviour now staring at the ground with fixed gaze and eyes wide open without moving an eyelid again closing them compressing his lips and raising his eyebrows we could perceive plainly that a fit of madness of some kind had come upon him and before long he showed that what we imagined was the truth for he arose in a fury from the ground where he had thrown himself and attacked the first he found near him with such rage and fierceness that if we had not dragged him off him he would have beaten or bitten him to death all the while exclaiming o faithless fernando here here shalt thou pay the penalty of the wrong thou hast done me these hands shall tear out that heart of thine abode in dwelling of all iniquity but of deceit and fraud above all and to these he added other words all in effect upbraiding this fernando and charging him with treachery and faithlessness we forced him to release his hold with no little difficulty and without another word he left us and rushing off plunged in among these brakes and brambles so as to make it impossible for us to follow him from this we suppose that madness comes upon him from time to time and that some one called fernando must have done him a wrong of a grievous nature such as the condition to which it had brought him seemed to show all this has been since then confirmed on those occasions and they have been many on which he has crossed our path at one time to beg the shepherds to give him some of the food they carry at another to take it from them by force for when there is a fit of madness upon him even though the shepherds offer it freely he will not accept it but snatches it from them by dint of blows but when he is in his senses he begs it for the love of god courteously and civilly and receives it with many thanks and not a few tears and to tell you the truth sirs continued the goatherd it was yesterday that we resolved i and four of the lads two of them our servants and the other two friends of mine to go in search of him until we find him and when we do to take him whether by force or of his own consent to the town of almodovar which is eight leagues from this and there strive to cure him if indeed his malady admits of a cure or learn when he is in his senses who he is and if he has relatives to whom we may give notice of his misfortune this sirs is all i can say in answer to what you have asked me and be sure that the owner of the articles you found is he whom you saw pass by with such nimbleness and so naked for don quixote had already described how he had seen the man go bounding along the mountainside and he was now filled with amazement at what he heard from the goatherd and more eager than ever to discover who the unhappy madman was and in his heart he resolved as he had done before to search for him all over the mountain not leaving a corner or cave unexamined until he had found him but chance arranged matters better than he expected or hoped for at that very moment in a gorge on the mountain that opened where they stood the youth he wished to find made his appearance coming along talking to himself in a way that would have been unintelligible near at hand much more at a distance his garb was what has been described save that as he drew near don quixote perceived that a tattered doublet which he wore was amber-scented from which he concluded that one who wore such garments could not be of very low rank approaching them the youth greeted them in a harsh and hoarse voice but with great courtesy don quixote returned his salutation with equal politeness and dismounting from rocinante advanced with well-bred bearing and grace to embrace him 
and held him for some time close in his arms as if he had known him for a long time the other whom we may call the ragged one of the sorry countenance as don quixote was of the rueful after submitting to the embrace pushed him back a little and placing his hands on don quixote's shoulders stood gazing at him as if seeking to see whether he knew him but less amazed perhaps at the sight of the face figure and armor of don quixote than don quixote was at the sight of him to be brief the first to speak after embracing was the ragged one and he said what will be told farther on end of volume one part one chapter twenty three recording by expatriate in bangor maine bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in maryland turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code old line 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.